So let's, let's jump back to verse 1. But remember where we are in context. Chapters 6 through chapter 19 um, are um, future events that we've been looking at, we will be continuing to look at as well. And this period of time in the future is what's known as the tribulation period. It's also called um, the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week, and it is a time uh, of unprecedented um, pain, um, suffering, trial that's going to happen on planet Earth. And personally, it's my own opinion, I think it's what God's Word teaches, that we will not be here as the church, as the bride of Christ during that time when judgment is poured out for those seven years. Why? Because Jesus is coming for us, for his bride, to take us to the place in the Father's house which he is preparing for us right now. And we are called to comfort one another with those words. I hope that is a comfort to you this morning, knowing that Jesus is coming for, is it a comfort to you all this morning? To be reminded of that to be excited about that, to be looking forward to that, to be about our Lord's business in light of his return. Right? He said he's coming as a thief in the night. A thief in the night doesn't announce themselves, do they? Do they, do they text you and shoot you? <laughs> no, the thief in the night, there's it, unexpected any time. Jesus' return is imminent at any moment, and so we need to be those um, followers that are sticking close to the Lamb, following him wherever he goes. And so chapter 6 through 19, the church is no longer mentioned on earth, but we see the church in heaven. And so um, again, what we're looking at is three um, sequences or three um, sets, if you will, of judgments that will happen. The first we looked at were the seven seal judgments. The seventh seal gave way to the seven trumpet judgments. The seventh trumpet will give way to the seven bold judgments. So you guys are with me. And we are in uh, a portion of, of the book of Revelation, um, chapters 12 through 14, that really make up or constitute a huge parenthetical break um, or an intermission, if you will. So we've seen along the way with these judgments being poured out, there's also these pauses or these, um, these timeouts, um, intermissions, if you will, parenthetical breaks, where we are given more information to help us understand what's going on during the tribulation period. Um, not only more information and insight, but as we're going to be reminded this morning and see again this morning, that we're going to get some of the backstory as well, why things are rolling out the way they're going to roll out during that time period. And so we are introduced in chapter 12, as well as chapter 13, to a number of key figures or key personages that will be on the scene um, uh, on he in heaven and on earth during the tribulation. So let's look at what God's word says. Chapter 12, verse 1, God's word says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child... She cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems or crowns on his heads. His, hail, his, hail, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman 
who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And so let me draw your attention real quick to verse one. John sees a great sign and uh, John gives a description of a woman. And if you're taking notes, Genesis chapter 37 Um, Again, the Bible is the best commentary for the Bible. We find out that this is speaking of, in figurative language, it's a picture of the nation of Israel. Remember, Joseph had two dreams. The second dream is where we get really the interpretation, it seems, for this woman being the nation of Israel. In verse 2, John sees the actions of this woman And uh, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Who's the child? Jesus. We're going to see that in just a moment as we work our way through. So when did the nation of Israel um, give birth to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ? Well, we know it happened. Um, Remember, Herod was on the scene, King Herod at the time. They were under Roman oppression and Roman occupation. And Jesus came from heaven to earth, born of a virgin, And that's really an uh, an important point here. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Jesus in his humanity was a Jew, born of the tribe of Judah, of the lineage of David. Super important. Uh, He had to fulfill all of those prophecies in his first coming to be legit, to be the Messiah. And he fulfilled them completely and literally and wonderfully. And so... We're reminded here that it was through the nation of Israel that the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ, came into the world. Look at verse 3 with me. Then another sign. John sees another sign, and he sees this great fiery red dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. We learn that in verse 9 in just a moment. It'll become apparent. Um, It is the devil, and he is described figuratively here. Just as the woman was described figuratively The devil is described figuratively here, and we learn certain characteristics about him. He's fiery red, which speaks of his murderous character. He's thirsty for blood. Jesus said, you guys remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8 about the devil. He's what? He was a murderer from the beginning. Jesus also said in John chapter 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But remember what our Lord said about himself. He came that we might have life. Have you experienced the life that Jesus has for you this morning? He said it's life abundant. And, and, and we've discovered, haven't you discovered that? It is the greatest life following Jesus, walking with, that's about half the room. Have you guys, we'll have a time to come up afterwards. We'll lay hands on you. I don't know, maybe you don't remember what it was like before you came to know the Lord. I, for me, I was jacked up, man. I thought I, thought I knew what life was all about. But then you come to know Jesus Christ personally. What happens? Life starts to work. Marriage works. Family works. Business works. Right? Not perfect. Not without difficulty. Not without suffering. But things begin to work. When you put yourself under God's wisdom, when you follow Jesus, when you follow the Lamb wherever he goes, life begins to work. And really it's a choice. Either you go the way of the dragon or you go the way of the Lamb. 
correct? You fought, we either go his way or we go the way of the dragon. And so we read here, the devil is described fiery red, seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns. That's certainly a, a, a dragon, all right. And if you're taking notes, Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 17. And we're going to talk more about these, the heads, the horns, the crowns or diadems um, later on when we move our way through um, into chapter 17. What, what we do know about this is that the devil is currently involved uh, at work on planet Earth. John said in 1 John 5, 19, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But we also know he's connected with the past, with kings and kingdoms, but he will also be connected with kings and kingdoms in the future as well. And we'll see that later in chapter 17. So Satan will use all of his knowledge, power, and authority and exercise it through the Antichrist during the tribulation period. John, verse 4, look what it says. John sees the actions of the dragon. So the dragon uses his tail to do what? To pull a third of the stars of heaven, a third of the angels, and do what? And to send them to the planet. So when did Satan do that? I think it was in his original fall from glory to profane. If you're taking notes, um, Isaiah 14, I'm going to flip there right now. I'm going to read this uh, little passage. I think it's important that we understand that we are dealing with a created being. God is the creator. He is a created being, fallen created being. He is not God's co-equal, correct? Amen. Isaiah 14, verse 12, and, and, and it says here, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. You guys see a problem there? All the eyes. I, 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 I. Right in the middle of the word pride is what letter? I, right? I'm going to lift myself up. I'm going to exalt myself. And then look at the last of the I will statements. I will be like the most high. I'm going to be like God, greater than God. He wanted to elevate himself. And so it finishes with, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. That is where pride and self-will ends up, doesn't it? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a, before a fall. Ezekiel 28. I'm going to flip over there too. Ezekiel 28. Let your fingers do the walking. You guys with me still? No? It's okay. It'll be up on the board, right? Maybe? No? Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel said, Moreover, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord. God, and then it goes on to talk about the real one behind this wicked king. And it says, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering or your adornment. 
the sardius, topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were, what does it say? Created. On the day you were created, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the mist of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And sometimes you get that question, how could God create such a wicked uh, person, wicked uh, creature? God didn't create him wicked. He chose to go that way in rebellion to God and went from Lucifer to Satan, and it says here, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the mist of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up. Why? Because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. And so we're talking about in the ancient past, this was, I believe, Satan's initial fall from heaven, from glory um, to, to, to being Satan now. Um, in fact, Jesus said, you guys remember when Jesus came, Jesus' disciples came from their short-term mission trip? Luke chapter 10. And they were stoked. You guys remember that? You guys remember that? Luke chapter 10. What were they saying? Lord, you wouldn't believe this mission trip. It was epic. I mean, that's a loose paraphrase. We did this and we did that. Even the demons were sub subject to us in your name. And remember how Jesus responded? It's interesting, isn't it? He didn't say, oh, wow. And isn't that how we feel sometimes after the Lord uses our lives and it's exciting and God does cool stuff? You guys like that when God does cool stuff through us? And immediately, what did Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning. Well, that's like, wouldn't that be like a wet blanket? Oh, man, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? is the danger for all of us when the Lord begins to use our lives in a special way is to be lifted up in pride. And he reminded them of Satan's original fall from, from glory to the profane. And not only did Satan fall, but he took one third of the angels with him, solidifying their eternity in the lake of fire. Because they made that choice, they made, they made that choice along with Satan to rebel against God Almighty from this place of, of position and prominence and beauty, the splendor uh, of heaven, the glory of heaven, and they chose to go the wrong way. And so currently we see Satan has access to heaven while, maintaining, while also maintaining a throne on earth. Remember what we learned in chapter 2, verse 13? Satan had a throne in what city? You guys remember what city it was? In Pergamos. Pergamos. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's where his throne was. My pastor used to say, Satan's throne is here in Las Vegas. <laughs> but in John's day, it was at Pergamos. And so the fallen angels or demons are arranged in some kind of hierarchy um, to do the devil's bidding on earth. They're, they are principalities, powers. 
rulers of darkness at work, at work behind the scenes, and we experience the fallout of what they're doing. We see what's happening in the natural, what's happening behind the scenes in this spiritual battle that's going on. And can I remind us this morning, I think it's important to be reminded of this, that number one, two-thirds of the angels are on our side. But listen, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And we are to stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We are to put on the full armor every day to take up the weapons that God has given you and me, for they are mighty in God for doing damage to the enemy's kingdom, gang. And by the way, we as a church are doing damage to the enemy's kingdom. And can I remind us, when that begins to happen more and more, Satan doesn't sit back and go, isn't that cute? Look at Calvary Chapel, West Houston. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's going to try to divide you from me, us from one another, our families. He's going to do anything he can to steal, kill, and destroy our relationships, our joy, our service for the Lord, all that the Lord is doing, the beauty of his work in and through your life. He wants to wipe it out. We need to remember that we are in a spiritual battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So if you have a beef with someone, you know what? Choose to forgive them. Why do I say that? Because we're told in 2 Corinthians not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. You go back and read that. I think it's 2 Corinthians 4 or 3, somewhere in that vicinity. Read the whole book and have a great time. It says in context, you know what? One of Satan's devices is unforgiveness. And how many times do you see that when God's at work in a church and, and we maybe say something to someone we didn't even mean it or we said it inadvertently and we hurt someone and it's like all of a sudden I've been hurt. Listen, hurt people hurt people. Take it to Jesus. Choose to follow his example. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. You choose to forgive. Forgiveness is a big, big deal in our Lord Jesus Christ's kingdom. He said, if you don't forgive, guess what? You're not going to be forgiven. <laughs> Isn't that heavy? I don't want to dumb down his words, but guess what? You're not a forgiving person. Maybe you haven't experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your own life. Because we're called to forgive one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven us. How did he forgive us? He's forgiven all of our sins and our lawless deeds and chosen to what? Bring them up every week? to remember them no more. That's a different Bible story. I'm way off. Let's get back over here. <laughs> the dragon, Satan stood before the woman. Who's the dragon again? Satan. Satan. Who's the woman? Israel. Israel, the child, Jesus. And so the devil tried to destroy the Messiah, Jesus Christ, when he was born. Matthew chapter two, we see that whole plot by Herod, the plot and the being played out by Herod was demonic, was satanic in nature. The devil hates Israel. The devil hates Jesus. The devil hates you and I, you guys. But can I remind you that God loves you with an everlasting love? Verse five, so she bore a male child who was to rule all nations. How? With a rod of iron. There is only one, listen this morning, there is only one destined to rule with a rod of iron. And who is that? Jesus. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. It was told to us prophetically in Psalm 2, and then in Revelation 19, it says, can I read this? I'm not going to wait for an answer. I'm going to read it. (laughs) Revelation 19, this is so awesome. This is when Jesus returns to set up his kingdom on earth, thousand years, millennial reign. It says, John says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Who's that, by the way? It's Jesus. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And who's that? That's us. Is that going to be cool? I don't know how to ride a horse, but I can't wait. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and listen, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Verse 5 says, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. So this one destined to rule with the rod of iron was born, miraculously born of a virgin. And it's, it's, it's not included here, but we know that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and then willingly laid down his life for you and for me on the cross, right? He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, rose again, and then he what? And then he ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the, the, right hand of the Father. Hebrews 12 tells us, right? Looking unto Jesus, keeping your eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him did what? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God on his throne, gang, next to him with the Lord. Beautiful. Verse 6, John saw Israel, the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared by God, that, she, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. How long is 1,260 days? Three, three and a half years. That's right. So John sees the woman, sees Israel bail, right? Take off out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, heading eastbound. The wilderness is there to the east, the Judean wilderness, which heads out across the River Jordan into the land of Jordan today, modern-day Jordan. And so God prepared, isn't this beautiful? God prepared a place for her, a hiding place, where she will be taken care of, fed for three and a half years, which corresponds with, guess what, the last half of the tribulation. So let's see if we can make a piece of this. Seven-year tribulation period, right? Seven-year tribulation period? Correct? You guys still with me this morning? Seven-year tribulation period. And as we look at this, the seven years are cut in two. The first half of the tribulation, the first three and a half years, the Antichrist will rise to power 
He will rise to power. Everybody's going to love him, think he's like super awesome. There will be an establishment of a one world government, one world religion, one world economy. Do you see that now happening, by the way? Moving in that direction. We're getting a sneak preview of coming attractions. What else is going to happen? The temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. Sacrifices and offerings are going to be happening. Check it out, Daniel chapter 9. You can look it up later and, and read through that passage and study it. So the tribulation period is kicked off by the Antichrist signing a covenant with many of the Jews, with the nation of Israel. Halfway through, what's he going to do? He's going to break that covenant. He will put an end to sacrifices and offerings, and what's he going to do? He's going to go into the rebuilt temple and do what? Demand to be worshipped as God. In fact, Jesus talked about that in the Olivet Discourse. If you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24. Jesus said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. So we should have some understanding on this. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. By the way, that's pretty much to the east, to the, to the Mount Seir over there, Basra, that area, Jordan. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. So when the Antichrist goes into the temple, proclaims himself to be God, there's going to be an image set up to worship him also in there. He's going to turn on the Jews. His true colors will be seen, and he will hunt down the Jews to kill them. And Jesus told them, when you see that happen... Flee, run, head out to the hills and pray that your, your refugee status, what would be the word, uh, that your flight, pray that your flight would not be on the Sabbath. Would that matter in the United States? No. This is, listen, it's, it's so Jewish in flavor. It's so important to understand that. Pray that it doesn't happen uh, in the winter. Why? In the winter, all the wadis fill up with water. The rivers get higher with the water. You can't cross to get to safety. So important to understand that. And Jesus said, there is no other time like it. That's never happened in the past. Not even in the days of Noah when the flood came. It's going to be not even Nazi Germany, the Holocaust. It's going to be worse than all of that. This time is unprecedented. What's going to happen? The Antichrist, energized by Satan, will go on the war path to hunt down the Jews, and not just the Jews, Christians as well. And so uh, we get a snapshot of what's happening behind the scenes um, at this time in the heavenlies. And so John sees the scene in heaven. Look at verse 7 with me. So during this time in the tribulation period... He sees what's corresponding in the heavenlies. It's connected. And so what's happening in the heavenlies spills out into around us physically. 
and war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdoms of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Why? For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Look out, why? For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So John sees this scene in heaven, and it's Michael. Who is Michael? The archangel. Jude 9 tells us, He's an archangel. In fact, if you're taking notes, Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it. Daniel 12, 1 and 2. Connects us with what's going on here as well. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Isn't that beautiful? Who was Michael watching over? Who was he assigned to? Israel, that's right. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Sounds like Jesus' words from Matthew 24. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Isn't that a beautiful cross-reference for this? And so Michael, the archangel, and the faithful angels, they do business. They go to work on Satan and his fallen angels, and who wins? Do you guys see that? Michael and the faithful angels. Satan gets evicted, booted for good, no more access to heaven at all. His first fall from glory to profane, his second fall is kicked out at the middle of the tribulation period onto this earth where he is confined, and so... It says in verse 9, we see he's a vicious great dragon. He's given the boot. And we're reminded of something here, that he was the one in the garden. And remember what he, remember how he came to Eve? He came the same way to Jesus. With the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's his devices. That's his tactics. That's his three best shots. He used it on Eve and Adam, and they bombed out. Adam bombed, right, in the garden. But then he tried the same three tactics on Jesus. Correct? Remember how, how, how Satan came to Eve? Oh, did God really say that, the questioning of God's word? You're not going to die, liar, liar, pants on fire. And here's this beautiful being. He didn't come like, with horns sticking out. and Beautiful. 
tempting her, deceiving her. God, God's holding out on you. He doesn't want your best life now. You could be just like him. Wasn't that his problem too? I'll be just like the Most High. Appeals to her pride. Wow, I can be just like God? That's killer. But then he tried the same three tactics on our Lord, didn't he? And how did Jesus respond to each one? It is written, it is written, it is written. All from the book of Deuteronomy, by the way. But it wasn't just, he didn't say, oh, time out. Let me get out my scroll and find out the answer to this temptation. The word of God was hidden in his heart. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. But not just having the word of God in our heads and in our hearts, but having the right word for that temptation to just deal with it, get the sword out and knock it down. That makes sense? Sword. I don't know if that's what it looks like. But. How, how are, how are we going to deal with temptation? We follow our Lord's example. He thought that was, our Lord deemed it so important. None of the disciples were with him. He was all alone in the wilderness when Satan tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights. And he sat down with his guys and said, listen, here's how to deal with it. You hide the word of God in your hearts. Can I remind us what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians? And I think it's the heart of any pastor that cares for the flock cares for God's flock that's been entrusted to their care. Paul said, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 11, 3. Did you guys catch that? Paul's like, I'm afraid for you guys that you're going to leave that place of a simple walk with Jesus, a simple love relationship with Jesus because the enemy of our souls, the devil, the serpent, will try to deceive you. And how does he deceive you? Through our eyes, through our ears. We need to guard our hearts with all diligence to do what? Not to sow to the flesh, but to sow to the spirit with the word of God, that we would grow stronger and stronger and walk in the things that he communicates to our hearts through the word of God. And you know, I got asked this question this week. Why did God allow this? Why does God allow temptation? That's a great question. I think there's, I don't know all the reasons. I know one. I know one because it involves choice. If there was no devil tempting, there'd be no choice to follow the Lord or not. And so there was a choice, right? We choose to love or not to love, to obey or to disobey. Otherwise, we become merely like robots. And so with choice, we are able to express our love, our appreciation for God. And not just that, the deal is the only way for a relationship to be real, authentic, and mean something is to involve choice. And so that's my answer to that question. Notice what it says in this verse also back in Revelation 12. It says the great dragon is the devil. Devil means slanderer, accuser, Satan, adversary, enemy, one who opposes. And notice how influential he is. He deceives the whole world. What is our protection? Our protection is the truth of God's word. He's staying close to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and not allow him to have access to your life at all. Just like he doesn't have access any longer to heaven at this time, he's given the boot. Listen, don't give him access. 
Know the truth, walk in the truth. The Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's the place of protection. Why? Because people get picked off all the time and deceived. I mean, how many times did Paul have to say that to the church? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Why did he have to say that? People in the church get deceived all the time. That's why it's so important to know the truth, to know God's word, to make this the most important influence. Please, my brothers and sisters, make this the most important influence in your life. Not just live off half-truths and hand-me-downs you get in your inbox. That way, when lies come your way and deception comes your way, you say, time out. Where does it say that? Here's what my Bible says. Here's what God says. And you get to know the word of God and you get to know the God of the word as you walk with him, as you walk in what he shows you. Can I encourage you in that this morning? We got to get through this chapter. Let's keep going. John hears this amazing, look at this, this amazing announcement. We got to get to, we got to get to those verses. <laughs> John hears this voice, volume cranked way up, right? Making this joyful proclamation Right now, salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. One more step, right? One more step in, in, is taken in acquiring what Jesus has already purchased, right? With his death, burial, and resurrection. One more step closer to that becoming a reality. Revelation chapter 19, the Lord coming and setting up his kingdom. Um, but from heaven's perspective, it's as good as done. Why? The devil's been evicted completely. What was he doing previously? Look what it says. Around the clock, right in front of God, the devil made accusations against God's people. Isn't that interesting? The tempter is also our accuser. Isn't that entrapment? The tempter is also our accuser. And why does he do it day and night? Because we blow it day and night, don't we? Do we blow it day and night? That sounds like about 80% of the room. Don't be lying in church. That's all I got to say. Our thoughts, our actions, our reactions, sins of omission, sins of commission, we blow it. It's really, isn't it an open and shut case? And God gets an earful of accusations, but do the accusations stick? Do the accusations stick, y'all? No, we're like Teflon disciples. Why? Look at verse 11. Look what, this is good news this morning. Look what it says. We were reminded last week, Christians of every age, including tribulation saints, overcome the same way. How do we overcome that accuser? Number one, by the blood of the Lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He took our place. He was our substitute. He took our place on the cross. Suffering the judgment and punishment we deserve for our sins. He paid the price for our sins in his life's blood. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in his shed blood, his complete work on the cross, we are completely forgiven of our sins and our lawless deeds. That's kind of like a good time for an amen, maybe. I don't know. 
We're made righteous by his work, by his shed blood, not by our own efforts, our own works, our own willpower. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you're attacked, don't defend yourself. Don't defend yourself. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins and not just that, but to purify us from all unrighteousness. I agree with God. Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. Everything Satan is saying probably right now is true and more. And you know there's more, Lord, because you can read my mind and he can't. My thought life is jacked up. Lord, forgive me for that. I agree, Lord. I need your help. I need you to a fresh work of your spirit in my life. And you know what you do? You confess it. You give it to the Lord. And what? By faith, you, you receive his forgiveness. And you trust that he's going to purify your heart. We rejoice in him. And what the result is thankfulness. Isn't it thankfulness? Lord, thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that you died for that sin. The way I treated my spouse. The way I responded to my kids. The, I didn't do what I should have done back there. Lord, thank you. I know I'm not what I should be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be, Lord. And you're not giving up on me. You're still at work in my life. And it's by your blood that I am forgiven, that I stand rightly as your child. And it's so beautiful. It says, number two, by the word of their testimony. Jesus said, if you confess me, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Right? If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And so we confess the Lord, a testimony. What is a testimony? It's going on record, right? A testimony to what? That at a moment in time, I repented of my sin, placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I experienced a spiritual birth. I'm now alive spiritually. I'm born again. I'm part of God's family because I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I have a relationship by grace through faith with him. And we get to share that. By the way, that's the way to help people, isn't it? By sharing what the Lord has done? Didn't Jesus tell that to the demoniac from the Gadarenes? You guys remember that dude? Living in the tombs, he was a cutter, right? Chains, something out of MTV. Jesus shows up. Remember the dude got set free? You guys remember that? Demons into the pigs, swine lake. Maybe you remember it that way. <laughs> and he wanted to go with Jesus. He gets set free. It, it, I, think, I love that. I want to go with you wherever you're going, Lord. That's how I felt when I got saved. I want to go with you, Jesus, wherever. Remember what he said to the, the former demoniac? He said, it's so crazy. Go, <laughs> go home to your friends. What were his friends like? <laughs> go home to your friends. And tell them how the Lord has had mercy on you and all the great things he's done for you. Where do I start sharing my testimony? There you go. Has the Lord done great things for you? Has he shown mercy? Has he given you what you don't deserve? There you go. By the word of our testimony. Go on record. Verse 3, they did not love their lives to the death. Jesus said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This speaks of a life lived full on for Jesus and not for the world, a life free of self-preservation. I'm committed to follow Jesus, to serve him, to worship him, even if it means death. As the apostle Paul said, for me, for to me, I don't know about you, but for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
It's not being fear of death. No fe- the fear has been removed. We know our last breath here will be our first breath where? In his presence. To be absent from the body, to be, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, I don't know about you guys, are there sometimes things you get ashamed of that from your past you've done? And the devil comes against you. Sometimes people remind you of those things. Can I remind you this morning that you're forgiven? Can you get your eyes back on Jesus? Of who he is and what he's done? Such a great reminder that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Was that an amen from the little guy? Thank you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk no longer according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. Let's see how it rolls out. Verse 12. That's cause for rejoicing, isn't it? Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. In light of what's been communicated, man, praise the Lord, rejoice. But a call to look out, beware, those left on planet earth. Why? The devil has been completely evicted from from heaven. He's coming to planet earth. He's super ticked off. Why? Because he knows his time's about to expire. Those last three and a half years. And then verse 13, we finally got there. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Is that the American Air Force? That's what some people think, actually. They come in for the rescue. America comes in for the rescue. Because it's all about us, right? <laughs> is, is the USA, in, are we in scripture, the US? <laughs> but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Why? That she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time. How long is that? Three and a half years. That's right. It's like John's trying any way he can. <laughs> it's going to be three and a half years. Three and a half years. From the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. Why? That he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But, check it out, the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged. He's ticked off with the woman. And he went to make war with who? The rest of her offspring. Which offspring? Those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the devil comes to terms with his new status. Evicted from heaven completely. And he comes to the earth. And what does he do? He persecutes Israel. And and Satan will initiate a murderous holocaust. And he's going to do it through the Antichrist. And the Antichrist's army um, following the abomination of desolation. And um, look at verse 14. Israel is going to receive supernatural help in order to get to that place that is prepared by God. And God will care for and protect these refugees for the final three and a half years of the tribulation. And the two, um, the two wings of an eagle, if you're taking notes this morning, Exodus 19, verse 4, and Deuteronomy 32, verses 11 and 12. It's awesome. The passage from uh, Exodus God is telling Moses to remind the people of what he did as he bore up the children of Israel with wings like an eagle to rescue them from the Egyptians. 
and to care for them. Deuteronomy talks about the care of an eagle. And so personally, I think God will supernaturally make a way. He, it'll be him. It, there'll be no question that was the Lord. It was him. Hasn't the Lord done that in your life? He's done stuff that was like, wow, Lord, it, was, it could only be you. There's no other explanation for it at all. You supernaturally made this happen, and I am super grateful. Thank you, Jesus. And God took, will take care of them in this place also. He will nourish them. And hasn't God done that in the wilderness before? Did God do that in the wilderness before, y'all? 40 years, wilderness want, remember that? 40 years, the children of Israel, did God take care of them? Even though they were doing what? Gripe, thank you, griping, complaining. How about Elijah? You guys remember Elijah? Y'all remember Elijah? Did God take care of him there by the brook Cherith? That's right, some dirty birds, ravens. They were dirty, non-kosher birds, sorry. They twice a day delivered bread and meat to Elijah. But then it dried up, right? He wasn't hiding and hoarding stuff. Correct? Was he trusting the Lord day by day? Or did he have some stash? It, the famine hit. It's dried up. What do I do? Where's our apocalyptic box of rice? <laughs> it's not down and being prepared, but listen, not to the extent we are no longer trusting the Lord. Because there are plenty of Christians that do that. And then it's like, I got this place, this hiding place. You come get my stuff, and it's in the name of Jesus. Take no step further, buckaroo. Really? You should be in salt and light with that? What did God do? God took him to the widow, right? And God prepared, took care of him. Listen, God will take care of his children. You and I are his precious blood-bought children. Jesus gave an amazing promise attached to our lives. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God's saying, we don't let people like that starve around here. You keep seeking me, make me number one, I'll take care of you. And so God does it here in the wilderness. I believe it's Petra, by the way, in Jordan, that rock city. It's in one of the Indiana Jones movies. I can't remember which one. You can see it. Check it out. Verse 15, 16, the devil does his best to try to stop Israel and wipe her out completely, but he fails. It could be a literal flood. The devil's able to perform some supernatural stuff as God allows I believe it's speaking of an army or an invasion because sometimes biblically, um, symbolically, a flood is used for a military action. If you're taking notes, Psalm 124 and Isaiah 59, 19. And then God intervenes supernaturally to deliver Israel using the earth to suck up all of those involved in this diabolical uh, deed that's going on. Has God ever done that before? Open the earth, swallowed up some peeps? Remember that when Korah rebelled against Moses? The God placed authority for the team there. Korah and his boys, God did a new thing. Earth opened up, swallowed them up whole. It's possible. Some people believe it's a, there's a fault line there and in Israel and it opens up. I, I think God supernaturally does this again so that everybody will say that had to be the Lord. <laughs> Only he could do something like that in an amazing way. And so... They'll go eastbound, 
And uh, the devil was super angry since his plans were foiled, verse 17. And so what does he do? He pivots. He goes after them toward the east and then pivots to do what? To persecute any believers he can find. Do you guys see that with me? Those who, interesting to me what it says here, it says that those who have the testimony of Jesus Christ are those who keep God's word. Do you guys see that there? Those who have the, do you have a testimony of Jesus Christ? Is keeping God's word important? He's given us the Holy Spirit to help us, hasn't he? Do you remember when Jesus closed out the Sermon on the Mount? Was it like a seeker-sensitive message, by the way? The end, the tail end, let me just wrap it up with a bow and send you all out with... It was heavy, wasn't it, what he said? Is it necessary that we hear stuff like that sometimes? Do we need it? Remember what he said? I think it was meant to shake anybody of a false, a false profession of faith and to remind us of the importance of keeping the Lord's words in our life. Remember what he said as he finished? He said, many will come to me. Jesus says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. Many. Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? Didn't we go to church? We went to church. We said we were Christians. Follow Jesus. This is heavy what he says. He says, what does he say? Depart from me. I never knew you. We had no, there was no relationship. But he says something interesting attached to that to help us understand what he's communicating. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. You worker of iniquity or you who practice lawlessness. In other words, you demonstrated we had no relationship by the way you lived your life. By the way you lived your life, it demonstrated there was no relationship between you and I. That's heavy, isn't it? But then he says, there's a wise builder and a foolish builder. We're, and we are all, listen, we are all building, whether we realize it or not. And Jesus encouraged us as his followers to build our house on what? On the rock. Storms hit both houses, the wise builder and the foolish builder. Listen, none of us are immune to storms. Storms will hit our lives. Correct? If someone tells you, oh, you give your life to Jesus, it's all going to be, let's hold hands, sing kumbaya, and it's going to be like... Your best life now, guess what? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Jesus said it's difficult going the narrow way. That leads to life. But he said, but he said listen, though the wise builder builds their house on the rock, they, that person hears my words and does them. Puts them into practice in their life. And when the storms come, and when they do come in your, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your ministry, in the workplace, when those storms do come, what's going to happen? You're going to be able to endure. Why? Because you built on the right foundation. Even when it's difficult to obey, to say, Lord, I will go your way, even when it's hard. And that's when we experience the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to do what the Lord has called us to do. And that's where we experience life. Is following the lamb. Listen, following the lamb. 
having his mind, having the mind of Christ going his way, humbling ourselves, making ourselves of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and being obedient, even to the point of death. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much.